This Halloween, Quibi puts original horror right in your pocket. Quibi is a new streaming service with fresh original stories that unfold in minutes. Their Quick Bites of Fright collection features over 100 episodes of spooky shows, from drama to comedy to true crime, all to keep you screaming every day in October. Download Quibi in the App Store today to start killing time with some truly killer content. That's Quibi, spelled Q-U-I-B-I. Place your left hand on the Bay of Bible and raise your right hand and repeat after me. I do solemnly swear. We, the jury, find the defendant not guilty. Protests continued this weekend in Ferguson and around the country. Quit resisting. You're under your It makes no sense. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Judge, you are the last line of reason in this case. Every one of us took an oath of office and we're sworn to uphold the Constitution. From Tenderfoot TV in Atlanta, this is Sworn. I'm your host, Philip Holloway. We got about a half full parking lot right now. What was it like on the night she disappeared? Very few cars. From the video that we acquired, you don't get to capture much of the parking lot, but descriptions uh, was that it was a quiet night at Walmart. Pretty much northwest, and you can see the, uh, the backside of the Chick-fil-A. That's the last general vicinity that, that she was seen running from the Walmart. Hi, I'm your host, Philip Holloway. And today, we're looking into a very different kind of missing persons case. As you may recall, at the end of the Weidman murders, I posed the question that, unlike in the Weidman murders, what would a cold case investigation look like if investigators really put their shoulders into solving it? On September 13th, 2013, Tiffany Witten was caught shoplifting at a Walmart in Cobb County, Georgia. When she was stopped by the loss prevention officers, she ran away from the Walmart never to be seen again. Or was she? We've just passed the four-year mark, and still there's no sign of Tiffany we're going to be exploring what makes this case so hard to pin down, namely the lack of physical evidence, the lack of witnesses, the lack of cooperation, the delay in reporting, and the high possibility of foul play. This is Sworn. So let's walk while we talk and let's take a look at, I want to see for myself what these doors look like um, that she came out of. That's a, that's a fairly typical Walmart sort of entrance and exit, but right. it is a large door. Right. And are there surveillance video cameras right there at that door? Uh, mounted from inside, yes, there were uh, cameras. And the doors are those automatic you know, the motion sensors, and you come up toward and they open it. So how far out of the door did she get before she was apprehended by the uh, store security? She wasn't out the door yet. She was at the door um, and had not made her way out that, uh, that set of doors at the time that uh, she was approached by security. And they kind of 
got between her and the uh, and the parking lot. This is John Dawes, the lead investigator of the Cold Case Unit in Cobb County, Georgia, and now the lead investigator in the Tiffany Whitten case. Mason and I decided to go down with John to the Walmart where Tiffany was last seen in order to get a better feel for the area. Yeah, uh, what was described by Walmart is that she was going uh, pretty much northwest, and you can see the the backside of the Chick-fil-A. That's the last general vicinity that that she was seen running from the Walmart, uh, headed toward the backside of Chick-fil-A. And where she went then, you can see there's tree growth now, um, so you, you could lose sight of her pretty quickly. Is that IHOP that we're looking at up there on the top of the hill? Is that where she worked? She used to work at that IHOP. It's actually on the other side of Cobb Parkway from here, but yes, that's the IHOP. For the people who are listening to this, John, can you describe what Cobb Parkway is and how big it is? Uh, Cobb Parkway is uh, two lanes south and two lanes north with a center turn lane between, uh, so it's a wide state route. Uh, that comes through Marietta, uh, and normally there's there's a good bit of traffic on uh, on Cobb Parkway. Part of the case that would have been really really good to have uh, is all the video from all these neighboring businesses. Um, I will assure you that most of them, if not all of them, have their own systems. Uh, you're talking about probably 20, 20 businesses that we could have gotten footage from, including Chick Fil A. Um, but the problem that we had is the delay in reporting. This happened in mid-September and it wasn't reported until January. So uh, that time frame pretty much absolves the opportunity to get video from these commercial businesses. John Dawes brings up one of the biggest obstacles in this case. Several months went by before Tiffany was actually reported missing by her mother. And this created lots of different problems for law enforcement in terms of creating an accurate timeline and in obtaining surveillance footage from businesses before it's erased. So you may be wondering if a young girl ran out towards Cobb Parkway, a major thoroughfare in a suburb just north of Atlanta, and was never seen again, why did it take so long to report her as missing? I want to tell you all about a new show, Hellstrom, from the Hulu original horror series. Hellstrom was produced by Marvel Television and is based on characters from the Marvel comics. It's essentially the story of a very complicated family. The show follows Damon and Anna Hellstrom, the son and daughter of a mysterious and powerful serial killer, as they track down the worst of humanity, each with their own attitude and skills. It's the story of two broken children who were estranged and raised separately, becoming two very different people. All episodes of Hellstrom are streaming now only on Hulu. I'm Lisa Daniels. My daughter is Tiffany Witten, who disappeared in Marietta from the Walmart on Cobb Parkway on September 13th of 2013. So we just passed the four-year mark since anyone last saw Tiffany. How old was your daughter at the time of her disappearance? She was 26. Where did she live? Well, she lived in Marietta at the time, um, or Powder Springs. I think it might have been Powder Springs area. It's kind of hard to say. She was a little nomadic. She was a drug addict, so she moved around, stayed where she could, I think was kind of the way most of these people 
um, live is wherever they can find a place. She would say to me that she wanted to get clean, that she wanted to do better, she wanted to be a better person. Um, but she also stated to me that the only time she felt normal is when she was high. And that was sad to me because it made me feel like there was probably some underlying mental illness there um, that we weren't aware of. But we, as a family, did everything we could to try to help her get clean. Rehab and just everything that we could possibly think of. And nothing seemed to work. She'd get clean for a little while and then as soon as she would run into somebody that had a supply, she'd be right back into it. What was her drug of choice? Um, meth and heroin. I think she started out, like a lot of people do, with the opioids. Um, it was oxy. And then I don't know who introduced her to meth, but at some point she was introduced to heroin. And um, that became probably her primary. So what happened that caused the delay in reporting her disappearance? Well, like I said, she was nomadic, and she did not always stay in touch with us. So when she was using, we wouldn't hear from her. It could be weeks. It could be a couple months. So initially, was I worried? Yeah, I worried about her every day. But I wasn't worried that she was missing or that something had happened to her. I was used to not hearing for her, from her for a couple months. But when the holidays came around and I didn't hear from her at all, that was not that was not normal, and um, so after the holidays, we did go down and file a missing persons report. To Lisa, this wasn't abnormal behavior. Admittedly, she'd gone as long as two months without hearing from Tiffany before, but after that time had gone by, and the holidays came and went, Lisa felt this had escalated past typical drug user behavior. Tiffany was last seen in September. Lisa reported her missing in January. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. Pretty much my entire high school has either, you know, graduating class has either died of an, a heroin overdose or is in some sort of treatment or recovery or legal consequences, but no one's ever just disappeared. This is Aaron Warren, a close friend of Tiffany's. You know, a few of us have gone missing from time to time because we're out there in active addiction. I did myself, but you eventually resurface. She's known Tiffany for a long time and could offer perspective on the drug addiction that apparently ran Tiffany's life. Erin can talk about Tiffany's addiction because she can relate. But when the time came and Erin got clean, Tiffany didn't. And that caused them to drift apart. So I've known Tiffany actually since middle school. And we've been, you know, friends on and off throughout middle school. And why I say on and off is... You know, I, I'm uh, I'm in recovery myself, so, you know, addiction takes you different places and you don't always hang around the same group of people. But um, any time we were hanging out throughout middle school and high school, we were definitely partying together, which always involved alcohol and drugs. And then I got sober in 2011, and uh, not too long after that, I reconnected with Tiffany she had gotten out of prison and, um, you know, was, was sober for a, a period of time. And so we attended meetings together and were once again a part of one another's lives, but in a more healthier place for each of us. So when she relapsed, you know, I, I, I'm still sober today. So I, I tried to 
and see her at meetings, meet her at meetings and, and try to talk to her. But she was so strung out on meth again, you just couldn't get through to her. I don't remember if she, you know, maybe she went through our side in prison, but I don't recall her going to rehab. And when she got out, you know, at that point, I don't know why she couldn't go back home, you know, if she'd lost custody of her daughter, but she was actually living with a, a mutual friend for a period of time before she relapsed. Mutual friend that we also went to school with, and then he was a member of, you know, recovery also at the time. I don't think it was that long before her disappearance. I'm not sure. I saw her at a at an AA meeting, and that 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 was literally our last, my last contact with her. She was so strung out, you know, high at that time, very emaciated and thin. Um, and, and just telling me some crazy story. I just asked her, like, do you want help? Are you ready to like come off of the stuff again? Cause you know, I'll help you do that, but I can't like enable you. Cause she was needing somewhere to stay. That was kind of the crisis at the moment. Not that she was back on drugs, but turns out she'd like stolen stuff from her roommate who was also her coworker. And she, that's why her, her roommate kicked her out. That's the same coworker she worked with at uh, at IHOP. That's actually been interviewed several times for her story. You know, the the police report and all that. She got fired from IHOP for stealing from there too. So you can just kind of see her pattern with this. We also asked Aaron about Ashley Cottle, Tiffany's boyfriend at the time, and the last person she was with on the night that she disappeared. On the surveillance tape footage from Walmart, they walk around the store together. He, like, pulled up that night outside of the meeting when I was trying to talk to her and ask her if she wanted help. And he picked her up. Um, I mean, I heard from people that ran with them that he had a very bad temper. Sketch. Absolute sketch. I mean, they are both strung out on meth. And, you know, anytime anybody's on meth, they're sketchy. <laughs> they're flighty, shifty. You get this feeling, I'm trying to describe it, like when someone's on meth and they're in the same room as you, yeah, it's like being around someone who's possessed. Like you instantly feel, I've got to get away from this person. It's scary. It's it's unsettling on the inside. If you are locked up in Cobb County Jail, there are always a group of tweakers that are locked up in there and they know all of the gossip you know what I mean? And latest news that goes on in the in the meth underworld. So the fact that nobody's come forward with information, I mean, I feel like she 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 has to be dead. I was arrested many times when I was in active addiction and but I would be in there with a bunch of the, you know, the we call them tweakers, you know. One time in particular they were talking about Oh, she knows something about the body that was dumped somewhere. Now, this is unrelated to Tiffany. But you hear, you hear the gossip in jail. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because I've heard it myself as an inmate. I mean, somebody knows something. It's like, okay, was she picked up and sex trafficked? I feel like that and, and, and you know, being killed are the, the two most likely outcomes. 
Okay. The IHOP waitress, the one in Marietta. Yeah. That Tiffany worked at, got fired from for stealing. I spoke with her, um, like face to face. I can't tell you where or when. I mean, it was that closer to the time she disappeared. And I mean, she told me straight up, like Ashley came there after her disappearance, looking visibly shaken. You know what I mean? Like distraught, shifty. What you would expect for someone that's high on meth, but she said like more so and was acting really weird. So, I mean, just her and then, you know, it was reported that she said, well, why don't you call Tiffany? And he pulled out her cell phone and said, because I have it. So then if a message was sent a month later to her brother, whoever, for happy birthday, okay, why the fuck isn't that being investigated? Have they looked at her phone records? You know what I mean? Like, why isn't this stuff being tracked? The birthday message that Aaron is referring to is a message that was sent from Tiffany's Facebook to her half-brother, Blake, around January 5th, 2014. According to an interview Blake did in 2016, Tiffany also called him around his birthday that year, using her special nickname for him, Mudbug. Keep in mind, this was just about four months since she was last seen. More on this later. When you have two drug addicts in a relationship, <clears throat> the codependence is so strong that you're not going to separate no matter what. So for the fact that Ashley claims she just disappeared into the night, I don't fucking believe. You know, toxic codependent relationships are just as strong as drugs and alcohol. The effect is the same for someone. You know what I mean? So if you're in that type of relationship and you have to have that person to be okay, you're not going to let them wander off into the night. There's just not, because humans individually, we are, we are, you know, can be unpredictable to an extent. But when you add drugs into the mix, there's no way to predict outcomes. This Halloween, Quibi puts original horror shows right in your pocket. Now, wherever you are, you can kill time with killer content. Quibi is a new streaming service with fresh original stories that unfold in minutes. With over 100 new episodes of their spookiest shows, they've got the blood-curdling screams to last you every day this October. Their Quick Bites of Fright collection is truly made for our fans. They've got new, fun takes on classic horror and true crime shows. For instance, Murder Unboxed explores outlandish real-life cases. They reveal connections between seemingly random clues like a bottle of brandy, a toaster, and a Born Supremacy DVD. Or, in Last Looks, a true crime thriller narrated by Dakota Fanning, they investigate real-life crimes that have shaken the fashion industry. Download Quibi in the App Store today to start your daily dose of dread. That's Quibi, spelled Q-U-I-B-I. When Lisa found out that her daughter was shoplifting from the Walmart at the time she disappeared, her first thought was that maybe she was laying low, knowing she was in trouble. It didn't seem like such a crazy idea, especially given the crowd Tiffany ran with and her obvious drug usage on that night. Mason, Payne, and I went to visit Lisa and talk with her about her daughter's case. As part of Lisa's effort not to let this case rest, she never turns down any interview or opportunity to speak about Tiffany. 
there's no evidence that, I mean, initially my thought was, I, w- I was suspicious of him initially. However, I did think, well, you know, she she did get caught shoplifting. She knows she's going to be in trouble. So my initial thought, like I said to you before, was she's laying low. She's hiding out with one of her friends. She just, she doesn't want to face the music. Um, then I started thinking, what if something happened? What if she ran behind behind Sam's and she fell? She got hurt. She, you know, hit her head. Something happened back there. And But they've searched all back there and nothing. So um, I don't think that any ha- anything happened in that immediate area. I do believe and have always believed that they somehow met back up that night, whether it was you know, around that area, maybe at Weinstein's. He lived close by. She knew a lot of people in the area. You know, I told Tom when we first met, I think the first day that we met, you know, I said, you look out that window. I said, look out that window right behind us. What do you see out there? He said, trees, woods. And I said, you know what I see? Somewhere my daughter could be. Everywhere I look, every time I go to the lake, you know, I'm, I'm, we went to the lake one day. This was the first summer that we had our boat. And we were in a cove close to Bethany Bridge, as a matter of fact, and we were pulling up anchor to go back to the marina, and the anchor was stuck. And so my husband's, you know, pulling and tugging. He said, oh, there's something on the anchor. And then my daughter says, um, God, I hope it's not a body. And immediately I thought, would that be the craziest thing? I mean... Crazy doesn't even begin to describe it, but I I cannot even tell you how sick I felt when he was pulling on that rope to see what was at the other end. It was an anchor. (laughs) It was another anchor that we pulled up with, you know, part of a rope on it. But my gut tells me that she hid out for a little while until the police were gone. You know, she ran over behind Sam's. They did not give chase. They did not take off after her. They had her purse. They knew who she was. So my gut instinct is that she hid out for a while until... You know, the heat was off, so to speak. And then when Ashley came back to get that truck, she was she was in it or by it or near it or she was there. They they hooked back up that night. I have no doubt about that. The truth never changes. So if if truly she ran out of that Walmart and he never laid eyes on her again, why has he told people, oh, yeah, she got arrested, oh, yeah, she went to rehab, oh, yeah, we were arguing, and she, you know, she walked off, and I, I don't know where she went. There's no reason to lie unless something happened that he doesn't want anyone to know about. There's no other reason to lie. I mean, if he had, if he had stuck with the same story that I swear to you, she ran out the door, I did not see her again, period. So you can ask me, you know, any way you want, or try to trip me up, or I never saw her again. He, But he hasn't done that. He hasn't done that. I mean, he's kind of doing that now because he's on the hot seat, but he didn't do that in the beginning. I did not get a lot of cooperation in the beginning on this case, and y'all probably saw that with Chase Master's case as well. It was the, the, yeah. So if you're not a, if you're not a, you know, blonde-haired, blue-eyed co-ed, um, or a child, obviously, you know, any child they're going to go looking for. But the bottom line, and, and it was the same thing I had told my mom. I'm like, Mom, you know, I don't know about filing a missing person report. She's gone off the grid. 
like this before for a couple months where she didn't, when she's using, she didn't want to talk to her family. She didn't want to talk to anybody who was going to try to push her to rehab or, you know, try to do anything to get her off of that path. So um, maybe two months, maybe two months. So, you know, that, that part of it was not out of the ordinary. And it wasn't really until we got those letters and we found out that, you know, the, the Walmart incident had happened that we really began to think, okay, there's something more to this. But even still, I'm thinking, okay, she's on parole. She just got caught shoplifting. Put two and two together. And I said, if I go, if I go down to the police department and file a missing person report, they are going to laugh me out the door. And, um, and you know, of course, I, I did feel that way. And, of course, I look back on it now and think, God, you dumbass. You know, maybe if you had gone sooner, they would have video from the parking lot. That I mean, I beat myself up every day for that. I can't, but I can't change that. So I have to move on from that. But when I did go, and then when I did press the detective, and and the detective called me and said, "Yeah, we're we're not even going to open. We're not going to open investigation on this. She's just hiding out. She'll she'll turn up." On your daughter's case. Correct. And how long was this? That was in, um, it was in January of 14. And how long has that been at that point? Well, September, October, November, December, January, four months. She's been missing for four months. Mm -hmm. They said what? You know, she, she's on parole. She, she was shoplifting. She's in trouble. She's just hiding out. She'll, she'll turn up. Is this Marietta PD? Yeah. I started calling people. I just started calling, I went up the chain at Marietta PD and, um, was I actually called the chief's office and his assistant was amazing and gave me every name and number of people I needed to call. And she said, if you don't get any satisfaction there, then you call me back and I'll make sure that you get to talk with Chief Flynn. And um, so I went up the chain and then I got a call from a major who um, who basically was not, was not very nice. <laughs> he basically told me, we don't even know that um, who has jurisdiction on this. And I said, I know who has jurisdiction because it's the last place that she was seen and it was in your city. Well, she was in our city committing a crime. I really don't care what she was doing. Um, she was in your city and she's missing. It does not matter what she was doing when she went missing. The fact is she's missing and it is your jurisdiction. And um, during the course of the conversation, I realized he had mentioned that he had um, a daughter. And I think he has two, actually, but he had mentioned something about having a daughter. And I said, I said, so I'm just going to ask you this. Um, you mentioned you have a daughter. I said, if she went missing, regardless of the circumstances, would you not move heaven and earth to find her? And it was just complete silence. And he said, I'll be back in touch with you. And he hung up the phone, and then later that evening, I got the first call from Detective Muller. I don't like to knock any municipality or, or anything like that, but he's been arrested multiple times in Cobb County. It's always a slap on the wrist. He's always out in record time. I don't understand how somebody can be, you know, I mean, my brother works at that jail. He said it's a revolving door. He sees the same people in and out of there all the time. Ashley's one of them. He's done time there. He's done time in prison. He's been in. He's been out. But every time he gets in, in trouble in Cobb County, it's the same thing. They plead it, you know. 
He's a little bitty squirt, and I think that he, you know, tries to talk big and bad, and he tries to intimidate people, and he's supposedly part of this ghost face gang, whatever the heck that is, bunch of losers. But I have to say, look, I, I knew he had already set the expectation for me that it would, they were not going to be able to get him on trafficking and a lot of the other things that they wanted to charge him with, and that, um, you know, he said, as much as I hate to say it, we're not going to be able to give him as much time as what we're hoping. So I, my expectations were very low. When I heard that he got sentenced to 20 years and had to serve 10, I was happy. I was really happy because he's not going to be on the street. He can't intimidate witnesses. He can't, you know, hide evidence if there is any out there. I mean, I know that he saw me when... After the March drug bust, I did go to court. Um, I went to, yeah, he saw me. He definitely saw me. Did you and I? No. No. What did he do? Well, when he saw me and we did make eye contact, he immediately turned. And I had on a shirt with her picture on it, so (laughs) there was no doubt who I was. He doesn't want to look at me. I don't think the guy can look at me. It's just like a um, never-ending nightmare that you can't wake up from. You know, I go through my day, I take care of my family, I do my job, I do what I have to do to get through a day. And, you know, I've had people say, God, you know, how do you even, how can you even get out of bed in the morning? If my my child was missing, I'm like, what am, I have two other kids to take care of and a husband. I can't not get out of bed. Yeah, I have no choice but to get out of bed. And thank God, (laughs) thank God for that. Because otherwise, I mean, if I just, if I didn't get out of bed in the morning, I I mean, I would just die. I would just die. I have to keep going. I have to keep searching and I have to keep doing what I can to try to convince people to do the right thing. If you know something, you need to say something. It's as simple as that. And it's frustrating. What do you tell Tiffany's daughter? You know, we don't talk a lot about it. I've kind of let her be the lead on that. And we do talk about her mommy, but we try to I try to talk about her in positive ways. You know, when when she'll do something funny that reminds me of her mommy, I'll say, Oh my gosh, you know, that you look just like your mommy when you did that or I'll I'll be brushing her hair and say, Gosh, you know, your hair is exactly like hers. I mean, they look exactly alike. You look at a picture of Tiffany and you honestly except the fact that the picture's older and the the styles have changed, there's no difference. You know, she's very much like her mommy in a lot of ways, which can be worrisome. She's like her in good ways and bad ways. She finally got to a point where she she was upset one day, and she just told me that she was starting to forget what she looked like. And that just broke my heart. And then she wanted to know, you know, she said, is she, is my mommy dead? No grandmother should ever have to answer that question or never even be asked that question. But um, I was honest with her and told her that as much as I prayed that she's not, that, you know, in my heart, I believe that she is. And I explained to her what happened and not only what happened, but how she got to that point. You know, what what happened in her life that led her down that path? And I told her, you know, Tiffany didn't tell the truth a lot, and she stole things. I mean, obviously, she was <laughs> shoplifting in Walmart. She had an issue with taking things that didn't belong to her. She had an issue with the truth. 
I have felt for a very long time that this particular person was the key to blowing this case open. And um, I've been saying that to law enforcement now for three years, I guess. This guy right here, I'm telling you right now, this guy right here is the key. And here's why, A, B, C, D, here's why he's the key. And I'm not going to say that that other people necessarily discounted what I was saying, um, but I don't think they really felt as strongly about it as I did. John Dawes listened, and John Dawes believes the same thing that I believe. I've thought about it so many times. I've thought, what if, you know, I'm sitting at home one night and there's a knock at the door and it's, John Dawes or, you know, somebody is knocking at my door to say, hey, you know, we found her. Even though I know in my heart, I feel in my heart that she's gone, to get that, to find that out would be so final. It's just final at that point. But the one person who I said has the key, yeah. That's he, what I believe. If you happened. could tell him something right now, what would you say? I would say what I've said um, directly to him, and that is, you know, if the shoe were on the other foot and you were missing and Tiffany knew what happened, she would tell. She wouldn't have any problem telling. And, you know, one day this could be your child, this could be your daughter, God forbid. Don't you want somebody to do that for you? Wouldn't you want somebody to step forward and do the right thing and say what happened? I mean, I, I don't know how else to put it except, dude, come on. You know, the time is the time has come. What is there to be afraid of? What is there to be afraid of? If you did nothing wrong, then why are you so afraid to come forward? Maybe that's what he, he's afraid of. Maybe. Maybe. But... Yeah, that could be. I've thought about that, too, that maybe he did do something wrong, and that's why he's so afraid. I mean, I think he did something wrong, but I don't think he actually, I don't think he actually harmed Tiffany, um, but I do think he helped cover it up. That's a crime. Yes, it is. It definitely is. But I think that in the interest of information, law enforcement would probably be willing to overlook that to get the information that they need. So that's what I would say to him. Quit being a pansy. <laughs> you know, you act all tough with your gang signs and your tats and all this kind of stuff. You ain't tough. You're not tough at all. Tiffany Witten disappeared within about a mile or so of my office where I work every day. I drive past the location where she was last seen alive almost every single day. I shop right near there. I eat near there. I can barely imagine how someone could literally disappear without a trace from that place. Unlike other cold cases that we've seen, there's one factor present here that was not present in anything else that really hampered law enforcement when this case started as well as today. That factor is the delay in reporting. It was four months before Tiffany's mother went to the Marietta Police Department to report her daughter missing. 
in that four-month period of time, just imagine what all could have been going on with Tiffany Witten, considering her lifestyle. What type of hazards was she facing every day? Was she exposing herself to bad people? Was she exposing herself to bad habits? Was she perhaps getting herself in a situation where maybe she would overdose or something else tragic could happen? The possibilities are seemingly endless. And just how regrettable is it that all of those security cameras and surveillance videos that I saw just in the parking lot of the Walmart alone, not to mention all of the nearby stores, they all probably saw where she went. There was probably security video showing exactly what happened to her. But in that period of time, those recordings went away. The way that the systems work, they usually record over themselves after a number of days or perhaps a couple of weeks. And so during that four months, think about all of the evidence that was simply lost. It's nobody's fault necessarily. It's just the way that it is. That's what happens in four months' time. Tiffany Witten was a human being. She deserves to be found. It doesn't matter what her lifestyle choices may have been. It doesn't matter what her past history might have been. She was a human being, and she does not deserve to be missing. Her family doesn't deserve to go through life. Her daughter doesn't deserve to go through life wondering what the hell happened to her mother. As much as Tiffany deserves to be found, her friends, her family, and her loved ones deserve answers. We hear from the assistant district attorney in Cobb County and discuss the case at length with the current lead investigator, John Dawes, next time on Sworn. Sworn is produced by Tenderfoot TV in Atlanta. Story and production by Payne Lindsay, Mason Lindsay, and Meredith Stedman, and myself, Philip Holloway. Executive producers, Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay. And if you haven't yet, please check out our sister podcast, Up and Vanished, that follows the investigation into the disappearance of Georgia high school teacher and beauty queen, Tara Grinstead. Up and Vanished is available now on Apple Podcasts. Sworn is mixed and mastered by Resonate Recordings. If you're in the market for podcast production, go to ResonateRecordings.com to get your first episode produced for free. If you haven't already, please head over to iTunes now to subscribe, rate, and review Sworn. And make sure you check us out online at SwornPodcast.com and follow us on social media at Sworn Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow me, your host, Philip Holloway, at Phil Holloway ESQ on Twitter. Thanks for listening. This is Philip Holloway, and I'll see you next time on Sworn. I want to tell you all about a new show, Hellstrom, the Hulu original horror series. Hellstrom was produced by Marvel Television and is based on characters from the Marvel comics. Right in time for Halloween, it's a mature, suspenseful, mysterious, scary, action-packed series. 
It's the story of two broken children who were estranged and raised separately, becoming two very different people. All episodes of Hellstrom are streaming now only on Hulu.